This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Trey. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of our podcast. My wife accuses me of listening to our guests today more than I listen to her. And honestly, she's not wrong about that. In my defense, our guest today usually only talks once a week and it's not right smack in the middle of a USC baseball game, which is sometimes when my wife likes to talk to me. So perhaps the leading cause of marital strife in the upstate of South Carolina is also the head football coach at the University of South Carolina, Shane Beamer. Coach, how are you? Welcome. <laughs> I'm doing great. That's quite the quite the introduction, Trey. I'm uh, I'm doing well, and, and uh, I appreciate you being tuned in when I do talk once a week. I love your press conferences. Uh, I actually learn a lot from uh, from some football coaches about how y'all interact with the media, and that's why I like to. I mean, obviously, I watch yours because I pull for your team, but. I mean, I tell kids that are thinking about going into politics or public speaking or something, I tell them to watch Nick Saban press conferences. Mm -hmm. uh, that guy has a very different relationship with the media than Shane Beamer does, I would say. You are nice, and he is whatever the opposite of nice is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, no, I don't disagree. I learn. I mean, I watch other guys and, and kind of learn from them just watching and listening to other coaches and, and things like that as well. And I've always been fascinated by it, you know, so it's certainly I realize that that um, in the role that I'm in, what I say once a week, it resonates with a lot of people, my own, my players, the coaches, the fans, my bosses. That's one thing I've learned in my time at Carolina is when I say or do something, it it has a little bit it, – it's more powerful than what it was when I was an assistant coach at Oklahoma. And, uh, and I don't mean that in an arrogant, ego egotistical way. It's just, it's different. And uh, it's taken me a little bit of time to learn that too. Well, for what it's worth, I think you do an amazing job. I've never heard you like give bulletin board material to another team. I've never, I've never heard you say anything negative about, uh, uh, even though you had plenty of opportunities. Uh, let me ask you about spring practice. It just wrapped up. So, when you get out of spring practice, are you more focused on the things that you need to work on or are you more focused on the excitement of what you think you do well? What is the mindset of a coach after spring practice? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, probably both, to be honest with you. You come out of spring practice, you get 15 practices, you realize where you may not have uh, the – depth where you need it to be at certain positions that maybe becomes obvious over spring practice so therefore you realize 
all right, we need to attack this, whether it be in the transfer portal or recruiting for next year. Uh, certainly there's things you come out of spring practice with that you're excited about that maybe solidified or confirmed some things that you thought already. I knew we had a good quarterback in Spencer Rattler. I feel even better about it after spring practice and being around him. Uh, the running back position was an area of concern for us a little bit going into spring practice. I feel better about that. So there's some pleasant surprises. And then, you know, it's so much you really don't have time it's crazy you probably think okay spring practice ends and you can take a little bit of a breath but we got this thing called the transfer portal going on right now so last week for example i had we have 101 players on our team currently right now so i had 101 individual meetings with every single player last week just kind of telling them where they stand and just uh, kind of a, a state of the union if you will and um and then some of those guys you hope you don't lose them but some guys may choose to go other places for different reasons uh so you're dealing with that right now you got other players at other schools that you may be interested in that you're trying to get on your campus for a visit uh as well so it's really a hectic time post spring and then once you get through this transfer portal window i think that's a time where you can kind of sit back and really analyze where you are as a team and, and where you need to get better at, whether it be schematically or, or uh, preparing for the upcoming season, things like that. More of my conversation with Coach Shane Beamer is coming up. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, I'm going to ask you about the transfer portal and your one-on-one meetings, because I know you said that you were, you were in the process of it, I think, the last time I watched one of your press conferences. But globally, under the heading of expectations, I don't know what your expectations were for year one and two, but I can tell you from an outsider perspective, you and your team exceeded them. I don't think people had you go into two bowl games. I don't think they had you with two winning seasons. and I don't think they had you beating the Tennessees and the Clemsons of the world and, and the other, I mean, played Notre Dame absent one really dicey officiating call played Notre Dame really, really closely. So how do you balance expectations? Cause you're in the sec and that still yeah. has Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and Florida. Yeah, no, it's uh, when I got hired, I think I would have done, I would have, and I think our fans would have signed up for it. If somebody had said, okay, in the first two years, you're going to be Auburn, Florida, Texas, A&M, North Carolina, Tennessee, Clemson, Kentucky, uh, we would have signed up for it. There's no question about it. So we're we're proud of what we've done. But then, as a coach, also you think about it. We've had some we've had some not so good performances over the last couple of years as well. That certainly eat at you. And proud of what we've done. I'm proud of where we're going. I'm I'm excited that we have high expectations here at Carolina. I want to coach at a place like that. And and you just nailed it, Trey. Like you just can't. You can't take a breath. You can't sit there and say, man, we've done some really good things the last two years. We're on our way. I mean, certainly you think that and you realize the way that recruiting's going. We are on our way. But then you also look around and the teams that we compete against, they're not slowing down either. And uh, it's extremely, extremely competitive in this conference. Our in-state rivals, a perennial top team in the country. Uh, we're opening up with the the defending ACC coastal champion in North Carolina. So it's just 
it's it's go right back to work. And you mentioned Saban a minute ago. I mean, people talk giving him a hard time about how he never like enjoys winning a national championship and their stories about how he wins a national championship and he's upset because it took away from recruiting for the next year. And I can relate. You can't ever just think you we've been telling our team ever since January, like there's no complacency. There's no just assuming that because it happened last year and the year before that it's just automatically going to happen this year. Like every year is a new year and you got to be very, very intentional about working really, really hard at it to be the very best you can be. One thing that I hear when I hear your players interviewed, they obviously have an affection for you. I mean, it's respect, but they also like you. So when you go through these one-on-one meetings and you have a kid that maybe you didn't recruit or a kid that just, he's stuck on a depth chart behind a Marcus Lattimore or a Jadavion Clowney. How do you have a conversation with someone that, that, you know, I don't want to say go look somewhere else, but how do you have an honest conversation with a 19, 20 year old kid? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just being honest with them and telling them where they stand. And uh, I've got a son and two daughters, and, and I would want a coach to always be honest with them about where they are. And like I told every, like I like every every young man in our program. I've been a part of some teams where coaches are like, man, I can't wait for that guy to graduate and get out of here. I don't feel like that about our guys. Like I really enjoy being around them and care about them. And because of that, care that I have for them. I think it's a responsibility of mine to be honest with them, that tell them that, look, I don't want you going anywhere, but I just want to be honest with you with where you are right now. There's, you know, we're going to play six defensive tackles in games this season. And right now you're probably number nine. And if the season started today, you would be on the scout team and, and probably wouldn't have a role going forward or wouldn't have a role this season. Now that can change over the summer, but here's where you are right now. And I want you to be happy and I want you to enjoy your college experience. And, and I want you here, but you know, if you want to play like immediately right now, you're just facing a little bit of an uphill battle and just having those conversations with them. I had that a couple of times with guys last year. We had a couple uh, older defensive linemen. They were going to be seniors and they wanted to have a great senior season. Both were in-state South Carolina kids. Every coach in America is looking for defensive line depth, so I'd be an idiot to try and run defensive tackles out of the program. But we had two guys last year that they were in that same boat. I told them, look, you're behind Zach Pickens and Boogie Huntley and Tonka Hemingway and MJ Webb and these guys right now. Uh, you're going to be a senior right now. You're probably sixth or seventh as far as the tackles go. I want you here, but if you want to go somewhere and play a lot more as a senior, I'll help you. And they did. One of them transferred. Or they both transferred two different places and had good senior years. And I think it's just that, being honest with them. And I want everybody here, but I want everybody to have a good experience while they're here also. All right, let me ask you a question that just popped into my head. I think Jimmy Lindsay is your interior uh, D-line D coach. So mm-hmm. what if – Jimmy Lindsay says this person is seventh in my mind, but you've been watching the D line and you think, I think this kid ought to get more playing time. Are there ever disagreements between the head coach or the defensive coordinator and a position coach on how good a player is? Yeah, absolutely. There's different ways that we see guys and and we try and have those discussions pretty regularly throughout the year, Uh, whether it's in January and February when they're in the weight room and we're not practicing and our strength coaches kind of talking about guys and where they are and how they're coming along in the weight room during spring practice pretty regularly, whether it be Jimmy Lindsay or, or uh, Dow Loggins, our quarterback. Hey, how do you see the quarterbacks right now? Just so we're all kind of on the same page and I'm, I'm watching the same thing, but there's, there's certain things that, 
I see that maybe those guys don't always see. For example, we've got a young defensive lineman on our team. He's not young. He's in his third year now, but TJ Sanders. And TJ is going to be, he is really good. And he's going to be really, really, really good as he continues to progress. My first year here, he wasn't playing for us. We were redshirting him. He was on the scout team, you know, meaning they're during the week, they're like simulating the other team's offense and defense for the, for the, for our guys that are going to be playing on Saturday. And he was just wrecking our offensive line back in 2021 in practice. And I remember telling Jimmy and Clayton White, our coordinator, like this TJ Sanders guy, like I think he can help us on Saturdays. And so I think it's that as the head coach, I'm seeing everything at practice and and all those guys are, but I'm seeing it more from a 30,000 foot view as well. But certainly those uh, conversations happen regularly and, you know, I don't want to pull rank. I'm the head coach. If there's somebody that I want out there, I'll say make sure we find a way to get this guy on the field. But we're I try and have an open and honest communication with our coaches all the time so there's no gray area about how we see guys. All right. We've talked about the person who is eighth or ninth on the depth chart. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical. I'm not going to ask you about any individual player. But let's go the opposite. You go to bed one night thinking I have – my number one tight end, my number one quarterback, running back. And you wake up the next morning, and he's in the transfer portal. And you are stunned. How long does it take you to, like, get over the shock? I mean, do you spend weeks trying to figure out, what did I miss? Or do you say, you know what, I can't control that. Uh, Good luck to you, and we're going to go with one of the other guys we got. Yeah, it goes back to the – Constant, just open communication throughout the year. Um, And I'm not saying that we try and re-recruit our guys 365 days a year, but, you know, the relationships you mentioned earlier about the relationships I have with the players, I want to have those. I do have those and want those relationships to be strong and solid 12 months a year, 365 days where our guys want to be a part of this program. They know it's demanding. They know it's a lot of hard work. They're going to be held accountable, but they want to be here where hopefully you aren't surprised when something happens, but certainly when it does, I think there's an initial shock of what did we miss or where did things go, go sideways. And then after that, I'll be honest with you. It's more, okay. If you don't want to be a part of the program, we wish him well, but if during the season we got 120 players on the team, if we lose one, well, I got 100 and other, 119 other guys to worry about. And I always tell the players and coaches, as the head coach, my job is to always do what's best for the South Carolina football program. And uh, that means I've got 119 other guys, you know, to worry about. But, you know, it's, it's tough when we had this example in December, Trey, where those same meetings that I just had after spring practice, I had them with, you know, probably 30% of the team after the season of guys that I thought maybe would consider going in the portal or maybe needed to for different reasons. I had those meetings and had a young man sit in my office and tell me that he was extremely happy at South Carolina, didn't want to go anywhere, loved everything about this program, didn't know why I was hearing rumors about him entering the portal because he had never even thought about that and he didn't want to be there. And then four days later, he enters the portal. Uh, And it's kind of like, well, what happened between the four days that he was in my office? I don't think he just sat sat there and looked me in the eye and lied to me. But then four days later, he's entering the portal. So what happened between now and then? Who was he listening to? Who got in his ear? Things like that. That's what you worry about a little bit. And that was during a time where final exams are going on and coaches were out recruiting. And it's kind of the old out of sight, out of mind premise. And, and uh, you know, so you worry about those a little bit. You try and learn from it and how to be better in that same time period next year, for example. 
All right. A lot of parents spend a lot of time at the dinner table telling their kids to put their phone down. I have this image of your kids having to tell you to put the phone down because you are known as a tireless recruiter. You even respond to the text of 59-year-old people with no eligibility left. So how much of your life is spent texting ninth graders and 10th graders and 11th graders? A lot. Luckily, if I was texting ninth and 10th graders, I'd be violating NCAA rules okay. right now. So I try, I try not to do that. I'm sure that rule will change here soon where I'll be able to text ninth graders. I'm not able to yet, but a lot of it. And as a dad, I'm also trying to encourage my kids to put phones down and, and join the family as well when we're doing things also. But it's a lot. It's a part. It's a big part of it because of technology. And I'm one of those guys. If if I, I worry about, well, if I'm not doing something right now, uh, Dabo Sweeney or Kirby Smart or whoever it is. And um, uh, we're all competitors from that standpoint. But I just I try and do a great job of when I'm at work, I'm at work. And then when I'm at home, I'm husband and dad and and try to, you know, try to put the phone down. But it's hard. I mean, if a prospect or a recruit calls you, I don't want to not take the call because uh, you never know what he's calling about and things like that. But my wife and kids, they're amazing and they get it. They like winning games. They like going to nice bowl games and warm destinations. And they understand in order for them to be able to do that, we need good players. It's a good, good give and take. Yeah, you got one child that enjoys being on the field for the post-game interview more than you enjoy it. So, uh, I got three more questions for you, and then I'm going to let you go back to recruiting uh, since the portal is open. And I don't know, there may be a defensive end in the portal. I don't know. So I'm going to let you go back. But I got three questions I'm dying to ask. I watch all your press conferences, not just yours. I mean, I also watch Saban's, but for different reasons – how do you handle negativity? Like like a, a reporter who may say, look, coach, congratulations on winning the lottery, but I hope you know you have to pay taxes. I mean, there's always something negative in that question. How do you handle that? You know, it's challenging because you, you get to know reporters and, and who is maybe constantly coming at you with a negative angle, you know, so you try and anticipate it, but they have a hard job, reporters do, and they have the right to ask any question that they want. And I just try and give them an honest answer whenever they do. Uh, and then if, if it is something negative, try and turn it into a positive as much as I can as well and, and you know, angle it that way. Because I'm very cognizant of the fact that whatever I say is going to – I mentioned it earlier – is going to resonate with, you know, because of social media and everything – our players are going to see it and coaches are going to see it and fans are going to see it. So just try and be the voice of the program and, and every try and have everything from a, from a positive angle as much as I can. All right. Now I'm down to two. I was watching the South Carolina, Florida baseball game and they showed a picture of you and they said it was you and your family, but there's no way the woman sitting beside you could be your wife because she looks like a movie star <laughs> And you were the long snapper. Long snappers do not get wives that look like movie stars. So I guess my question is, who was that sitting beside you in the Florida-South Carolina baseball game? And does your wife know that she was sitting with you? <laughs> that was, she is a movie star. And that is my uh, beautiful wife, uh, Emily. And you're right. I don't deserve her. 
where this will be, I think, what, 17 years of marriage, I think, this year. And after 17 years, I'm still shaking my head trying to figure out how she married me and is still married to me as well and puts up with me. But yes, that was my family minus one daughter that was at dance practice that night. But yeah, the more I go in public, the more people realize that one one person doesn't belong with the other. And, uh, I'm afraid that she's going to figure it out soon, too. Well, look, I know long snapper is important. I'm not minimizing that at all. But usually the quarterback winds up with a movie star. <laughs> That's uh, true. I did try and dabble a little bit in receiver at receiver when I was in college, too, because I wanted to get into coaching. So I'll, I'll claim a little bit of that also uh, as well. But you're right. Fortunately, she didn't know me in college when I was just the snapper. <laughs> she, I met her when I was a coach at Mississippi State. So I had a little bit more coolness, I guess, at that point. For Sylvester Crooms, I guess, was, was, yes, was your coach. Yeah. We'll be right back with more of the Trey Gowdy podcast. All right, here's my last question for you. I'm going to let you get back to recruiting or whatever it is you want to you wanna do. If it was Spurrier, whom I'm talking to later this week, it would be golf, but it would also be golf even when he was the head coach at USC. <laughs> True. A lot. <laughs> Were you the recruiting coordinator for him? I was. I was. Uh, I got hired in 2007, and the 2007 season I wasn't, but then 8, 9, and 10. Um, I became the recruiting coordinator my last three years. Do different head coaches have different kind of takes on recruiting, how involved they're going to get? They come in at the last minute. I just cannot see Spurrier texting a lot with recruits, but maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I'll definitely uh, I'll share I'll share some stories with you on that. The different guys that I've been around at some point, um, not on air. Uh, but yeah, I think everybody's got a different. My dad was different than Steve Spurrier, and and Steve Spurrier and my dad were different than Kirby Smart, and Kirby Smart was different than Lincoln Riley, and going all the way back to when I was at Tennessee with Philip Fulmer. Coach Fulmer was different than uh, Sylvester Croom. I think everybody's got their own personalities. They all understand the importance of it, but just go about different. There's different ways of of going about um, doing it as well. But yeah, certainly he uh, he and Coach Spurrier enjoyed his golf and. And it was great too, Trey, because he he would tell you you were playing. Like you didn't have a choice. Like at 10 o'clock at night, you'd have like this whole day planned. This is like in February, March, whatever, of what you got to get done in the office the next morning. And then you would get a phone call about 9, 30, 10 o'clock the night before. Hey, uh, we're playing tomorrow morning, 8, 30. I'll see you there. And uh, (laughs) it really really wasn't a question. It was uh, you're playing golf tomorrow. So I played a lot of golf. Got to blame. Got to be pretty good during that time for sure, and had a great time working for him. All right. Speaking of working for people, I applied for a job with you, and I understand why I got passed over for it. There's another opening, I suspect, on your staff. Well, first of all, is the first job the offensive coordinator position? That, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm still considering uh, considering it. We'll see how it goes. Well, I, I I like the guy you hired. Arguably, he has. Better credentials, arguably. But there's another job that I would be interested in because I watched the bowl game and I watched you get flagged for, I think it was unsportsmanlike conduct, which I found stunning. Are you going to have somebody that go- walks beside you on the field and keeps you from getting game altering penalties going forward? And if you do, can I be considered for that? If we ever had that position, I think you'd be fantastic at that because I think you'd have great opinions and and 
analysis that you can give those officials. The answer is no, though. I'm a I'm a now 46 year old grown man. I would hope that I'm don't need another grown man to grab me by the back of the pants to keep me from going out on the field. And something's wrong if you need that guy, in my opinion. Um, I think I'm pretty good at it. I still don't believe that I deserved that, that flag. That still bothers me, honestly, because I've affected our team and cost us 15 yards of yardage. But I think if you would ask the officials in the SEC, they would tell you that, you know, I'm very respectful and they have a they have a tough job and there's great mutual respect amongst one another. And with some of the guys that day and that other conferences crew, I don't know if there was the same mutual respect that we get in the SEC. But no, if we ever have that position or if any of our coaches ever need it, you're you are first in line, Trey. But I would hope we never get to the point where we need that. I watched the game. That penalty did not uh, have any impact on the outcome of that game. And you could argue that it fired your your team up, like a coach getting a technical foul sometimes. Or if Mark Kingston were to get ejected, it yeah. fires your team up. I was stunned. You, I don't want to say you're not animated. I've never seen you yelling and screaming at a referee. And it wasn't just you. I think Josh Heupel got a penalty in a bowl game also. He I've did. never by seen the same, that by the By the same conference. So same conference did the Orange Bowl and the Gator Bowl and uh, whatever. I don't think I can get fined seven months after the fact, but I better shut up. But our six months after the fact, whatever it is. But no, I um, that shouldn't have gotten it. Shouldn't have put myself in position to get a flag, but did not use profanity. Um, really still trying to figure out exactly what I said or did to deserve it. But lesson learned. Well, if it I was you there that day, it wouldn't have happened. So maybe. no, no, it, I would have been gone about a quarter earlier. Uh, I would have been ejected. I, <laughs> I don't know if you can eject a a non-employee, someone who's not connected with a football game, but I, I would have been ejected on on some pass interference calls earlier in that game. It's not funny, except of all the coaches that are least likely to do that, I would have to put you up near the top of the list. I just just found that stunning. But as you say, you don't want to get fined. I don't care if I get fined because I'm not going to pay it. But I don't want you to get fined. So we'll end on a happy note. We're in April. Fall practice begins in August. What is the life of an SEC football coach and what the rest of us consider to be, like, not practice time? It's different. It's kind of each month is different. Uh, May is a, for honestly for us for a head football coach. May is somewhat slow because your players are gone. They don't come back for summer school until Memorial Day weekend. The assistant coaches are out recruiting in the month of May, but the head coaches are not allowed to go out recruiting on the road in May in college football. So May is really a slow time because there's not many people around the facilities. So that's, uh, for me, it's speaking to Gamecock clubs. I'm think I'm speaking to six or seven Gamecock clubs in the month of May across the state of South Carolina and in Charlotte. Our players are back in June. We get around our players, get into a little bit of football stuff. That's when we do all of the summer camps uh, for middle school, elementary school, high school kids as well. So June's busy from that standpoint. Recruiting, we'll have three official visit weekends in June where high school prospects that we're recruiting come in for the weekend and we pay for everything. So those will be big weekends. And then first few weeks in July for me is a time to 
catch your breath, relatively speaking. Uh, if you want to get out, get out of town, go on vacation or whatever for a little bit, you can. And then we uh, we crank up practice the first week of August. So it never really feels like it ends. It's just uh, some some weeks are a little bit slower and less hectic than others. Ladies and gentlemen, Shane Beamer, who has uh, not only on the field uh, transformed uh, USC football, but also off the field. There's just a level of excitement um, that I may have experienced it once or twice, maybe when Lattimore or Clowney signed, but not never this sustained. So I pull for you if you were to go 0-11 uh, because of your character, um, because I like you, but I don't think you're going to go on 11 because uh, you got a really good team and you got some good recruits coming in. And I can't wait till late August and early September to see the product on the field. I guess your first game is North Carolina. Yeah. First weekend in September. Up in right. Charlotte. Well, we are looking forward to that. Coach Shane Beamer, thank you for joining us. And uh, we will see you soon on a golf course here in South Carolina. I hope so. Keep up the great work. Thanks for having me on, as always. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.